Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. I'm super chuffed about that interview. Uh-huh. And Scott. It's a good interview that you're about to listen into, but thanks to the magic of time travel, yeah. we have already done it. So we done. can speak to the quality. Yeah, yeah indeed. it's already high quality. Yes, yes, folks. Everyone, we're going to pull the, peel the, uh, we don't actually have a time travel device. We can't go back and kill Hitler. We just recorded, we're just recording this after we did the interview. Because it's just, it's just better that way. Uh, it's a fantastic interview. Um, we'll, we won't keep you too much longer. Real quick, any news that you'd like to report concerning the world of RPGs? The world of RPGs. I heard some, heard some shit during the interview I'm interested in, but we'll yeah, leave it for we'll, that. We'll leave it in that. We'll leave uh, it in that. The Chicago by Night Kickstarter yes. uh, is um, is almost completed as of this recording. It'll probably be... It'll actually... Uh, releasing this on Thursday, right? Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be... ending the day this gets yeah, released. Yeah, but so, I, I think I leaked it last time. Yeah. Um, but... um, and uh, I don't believe we... we mentioned oh i think we talked about it a little bit in patron content but yet another vampire fifth edition shitstorm erupted yeah well it erupted and then it got clarified later they brought a very strong um response after we recorded last time Mm -hmm. uh, i believe that weekend uh, about how they were basically white wolves pulling back they Mm -hmm. are basically saying they are reorganizing some of the mm-hmm. higher up structure Basically pure they're going on a pure licensing the white white wolf as an entity is not going to be producing books Mm-mm. uh they're going to be purely licensing it which was the plan all along uh it's just not as quickly i and, have thoughts on the conflation of these two events yeah indeed we, we, um, we will talk about well, them in patron content yeah well, we might talk about it in patron contact but i will say that uh, it's not something that i feel comfortable talking about on air but i have heard rumors that uh, to the effect that it's not as cut and dry. There's some complications that aren't being publicly uh, talked about. We may or may not talk about that. Uh, if you want to go do some digging, you may figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all we will say. It's there. as awful as you think it is. Oh yeah, it's really um, bad. Um, the yeah, and not much else has been going on. Uh, Dungeon of the Bad Mage is fully released out into the wild. We'll play it eventually. Yes, yeah. uh, our physical copy to our GM has been delivered. Yeah, we're that we're those it's kind of players. It's a 320 page book. We brought we sent that shit to his house. Yeah, that's fucking Undermountain. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's like that's like the dungeon. Yeah, it is it's literally like it's, uh, like it's, like Temple of Elemental Evil. Uh, like, that's one of the few things that uh, rival port, but even I'm still, sure it's probably yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. Um. So that's very exciting. I can't wait till we get to that content. Also, weirdly enough, Guildmasters of Ravnica being released, which is yes, a, Magic uh, the Gathering. It's a Magic the Gathering setting. Yep. Yes, it uh, is. Which is a very unusual first time they've ever done a crossover like that and given. It's like, you might be like, hey, Magic the Gathering has a story. Surprisingly, yes. Yes, it always, actually, it almost always, always had a story. It always did. You just didn't read the books. Because they weren't always very good. Oh, it was also, <laughs> a lot of the story was also in the text of the, the cards. Yep. If you started putting certain cards together, you could start, like, intuiting what was going like on. A, like a Souls game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, PAX Unplugged is this weekend. Yes. I will be there. Uh, these chuckleheads will not. No, but, but you... you can come find me. Yes. And also, you'll give be the man on the street. Oh yes, when you get I'll back certainly next next what... episode will certainly all uh, will dedicate a good chunk to me telling you yes. all the awesome stuff that happened to Pax. Scott on the street. But Scott on, on the, the street. Oh, Wonder Showsen. It's a show mm. that doesn't need to exist, but is good. it certainly does. <laughs> if you're interested, go look it up. We will not explain anymore. Uh, but let's not beat around the bush. Let's not keep you in suspense for too long. Let's listen to this let's... awesome interview with Matt Webb. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you very much. So we are talking with Matt Webb of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jackalope Productions? Is that Jackalope Live Action Studios. All right. Good times. And uh, we specifically have our good friend Matt here on the show to talk about the night in question. So uh, we'll get into some some more uh, more personal bits in a bit, but just what did happen at the night in question? A fantastic LARP that everyone seems to have been liked way beyond any of my hopes and dreams, and uh, yeah, no, it was a it was a great time. Uh, the night in question was a officially sanctioned Sabat Vampire the Masquerade horror focused LARP that focused on a uh, shovel party and mass embrace of uh, mortals who are trapped by the Sabbat in 1998 in a rave outside of Austin in a preparation for making a siege on the city. And it was a great, we, great what we called a splatterpunk-style event. Mm-hmm. And so uh, cool. everyone was just fantastic. I, I'm still riding the high from it even though my voice is still uh, sore from working out in the cold for three days afterwards, breaking everything down. Oh, jeez. I bet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so obviously you explained what the night in question is, or was, or and or will, will be. be. <laughs> uh, so, what, so let's get a little bit of background on you, uh, so our audience gets more familiar with the Mr. Webb. Uh, what, <laughs> uh, obviously you're big into World of Darkness stuff and all that. How'd you get into gaming, and what are currently your favorite games to play? Oh my god. Um, so I started out gaming with Battletech when I was 13. My cousin introduced me to it. And that led to my first RPG actually being Mech Warrior. Ah. That was Ooh. my first ever RPG. Um, so I play uh, GURPS is one of my first loves in Nominee. Um, but I got into World of Darkness when I was about 17. That's about right. Um, when you're ready. Yeah, actually, my fir- my favorite game out of the uh, 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 classic World of Darkness is Mage of the Ascension. It's hands down. That was actually the first World of Darkness game I ever played. So I played Mage, then Changeling. Wasn't a huge Changeling fan, and then I got into Vampire. And I played in my first uh, Vampire LARP at AggieCon uh, in 2000. Um, and from there, I was part of the Camarilla for a time. Um, left there, went and I've run like an IRC server called Sanguinous.org for about mm-hmm. 10 years. Uh, got back into LARP and I started like doing more and more kind of LARP based projects and like software and other stuff. I ran all sorts of different types of games. When you're talking about like geeky stuff, it's really easier to ask me what I haven't done, <laughs> which is, which is uh, mainly anime. <laughs> um, no big ass small mouth here. Yeah, no, I played that game. If it's an RPG, I played it. Nice. <laughs> um, but no, I've been uh, so I've been kicking around for a while, and over the last uh, four years, I've kind of been developing into, along with uh, CMS, my business partner, and several other people, into a uh, more of a game runner. And eventually, uh, yeah, I can give you the entire story of how we got in with White Wolf and everything. But we became a licensee of White Wolf and have been running uh, official games. And this is going to be our uh, night in question was our first one. And we're really happy with how it turned out. So what prompted you to want to make an event of this scale? I mean, I mean, everyone wants to do a big one, right? But like, what what was like the moment you're like, okay, I have to do something massive. (laughs) Because 
I was prepared for this to be a 30-person game. Hmm. It ended up being a 150-person game. And that's <laughs> like 20 people getting trapped in the Northeast by a snowstorm. So um, what really happened with um, was I went to Grand Masquerade in 2016. Hmm. And I... Had been interested in the uh, Nordic and the uh, immersive style games for a while, and the kind of more one-shot experimental stuff that we've been seeing come out of, like uh, you know, the Nordic countries, Scandinavia for a while, and in, in Europe. And I've been uh, I've been playing in those and working around with those, and they're just really interesting to me. Um, and so I went to go play. I didn't play in any of the big club games at Grand Masquerade. I've been outside of that world for like 10 years. But I went there specifically to meet up with some uh, business partners who wanted to talk about LARP and LARP technology with me because I had been working on uh, integrating like mobile phones into LARPing and like designing online systems to support LARP runners. And I went there also to play the end of the line live action, uh, the, the Nordic LARP that White Wolf commissioned two years ago. Uh, that participation design agency designed for them, which is a company that's out of Sweden. And they did a run of it in Helsinki, and then they did a run of it in New Orleans, and I went to the New Orleans run because, you know, it was only a 10-hour drive, what the hell. <laughs> and I got to go, you know, and during the day I got to go to Bourbon Street, what's not the love. But we, uh, I went to go play End of the Line, and that game is based on, it's more of a Camarilla Anarch game, which is based around an illegal nightclub and only like maybe ten percent of the characters are vampires. Mm. Most people don't even know vampires are there. Mm -hmm. But the entire point of the story is that in this kind of like place full of drug dealers and pimps and all these other people, it's like the the vampires are actually the least monstrous <laughs> of a lot of a lot that of them. Sounds interesting. It is an interesting. But the thing is about end of the line is that it kind of introduced to um, to vampire larp. This concept, which has been going on a long time in the Nordic, more artistic games, which is consent-based play where and negotiated play, where nothing happens to you that you don't want to happen. Like mm -hmm. these really intense, really short one-shots where you can just say no to anything. If people want to do something to you, you just there's no mechanics other than negotiation. Maybe some much lighter mechanics. And People, there's always been kind of some, um, there's been some trepidation and some doubt in uh, in the minds of both the people who, you know, started the style in the Nordic countries and people who are familiar with it in the United States that American LARPers, especially vampire LARPers, weren't really ready for it, right? It wasn't something that was conducive to a very systematic and... Um, very systematic and very uh, competition-based play. But I went to End of the Line, and it 100% worked. I mean, everyone had a great time. You had people from uh, all the major clubs were there, people who never worked for, were there. And it was an amazing experience for almost everyone involved. And there wasn't any real problems. And this was a game that involved, like, touching and faking making out and, very, like, physicality and all that. And so I went there. And based on my discussions with uh, PDA, I was brought onto the team to help support uh, Enlightenment Blood, which was the game they ran at World of Darkness Berlin. And 
Enlightenment of Blood was simply the most amazing LARP I've ever been in. Because Enlightenment of Blood was the game. It had 250 participants. It was played. They rented out like seven or eight places peppered throughout the club district in East Berlin. Mm. Oof. Wow. And you walk the streets of East Berlin when you played. And people started to spread out. And you played out the night of the Anarch Revolt that takes over Berlin. Cool. You know, when I was hearing stories about the original intention of Mind's Eye Theater, I think what you just described is how the original intent of Mind's Eye was described to me. Well, you could be in a very large space, you run into someone, and you just have, you know, an in-play interaction that, you know, with someone. But it's, you know, very widespread out, very large in scale. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was fantastic. You haven't lived until you've seen, like, 80 black-clad anarchs walking down an alley in East Berlin that's covered in graffiti and like normals just walk out of a club and they like literally like take a step back into the doorway and watch this go past as all these people in black trench coats and, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be honest walk past and they were they were tracking I, I watched this from a second floor balcony and they found out where the prince was so this was literally like you know the the kill posse coming to get the prince like swarming down this alley in this like power walk and that was just amazing, and it was just completely organic. And once again, everything about Enlightenment of Blood, you had some powers, like how you dominated someone was like, you just looked at them and said, you really, really want to do what I tell you to do next. And the code word was like, really, really. And But the rule was, you could ignore that if you wanted to, mm-hmm. or you could interpret it however you wanted to interpret it. You interpreted it like, you really, really like me. Right. Mm-hmm. Could be, you know, it could be sexual. It could be just like charisma. It could be like, how does that alter? That's completely up to me as the target so that nothing happens to me that I don't really want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked. It worked for a 250 person game spread out through an entire city. I don't think it would work for like a long running campaign game, but for this like one like perfect little snapshot where you have six hours to have this amazing game and there's no like long-term win or loss. It's just, you know, you can die at the end and you're still going to have just as much fun as everyone else. It's consent based mode of play is interesting because as you said it, and as I've heard about it and listened to a couple reviews about the indicting question in preparation for this interview, I started thinking about like, what is sort of the design element? Because if they're very short one shots and it's like, if you come here and you're kind of just being an ass and you say no to everything and you just want to be the biggest bully, well, then people are just going to say no to you and you're not going to get anything done. There's a lot. Yeah, of- I mean, the what we said during the workshops is you can say no to everything. Thank you for $180. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you're coming here to do this, you're come, probably coming here to really play and not swing your uh, your your, your uh, dick pa- around. Paper dick. Paper dick. Paper dick is the term. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. say e-peen, but that was like that's not right. You know, way more manual than that. But yeah, like what you—I'll be honest. What the way you just described the the black clad kill posse, like mm. chills went up my spine when I heard that described because, like, that's that's kind of what we see when we think about vampire. Like in our minds, we see these things happening, even in in parlor games. You know, we we try and and capture that, but I I I can't imagine that level of like. Realism and and uh, immersiveness, the way you well, just yeah, described I mean, it. I ended up watching. I was playing a virtual adept because mm. we cleverly included three virtual adept characters. The tech team played, 
which That's gave awesome. us basically all of our powers were we can leave, you we can go, we you ignore me, and you you'll you'll leave me alone. Because the entire reason we play virtual adepts is so that if the technology part failed, we could immediately pull up laptops and, and, <laughs> and fix things. And also all our things were like, yeah, we're gone. You know, we had like no clip was one of our little rotes, which is <laughs> I leave and you don't notice me leave or I'm immune to your power. Um, that was just a way of having the tech team on site so we could actually already play. But that's really clever. luckily nothing really went wrong. Um, but that's the kind of mindset, right? That you have people who can be 100 percent in character. You never there was no in character out of character sign mm -hmm. at Enlightenment of Blood. If you were in that eight block radius. You were expected to be in character, period, unless you went to basically the HQ. So it sounds to me like you sort of took the the machinery and turned it into a tagline system or a keyword tagline system, which is kind of reminiscent of Boffer Larbs, which all of us have done a fair bit. It's uh, kind mm -hmm. of interesting mm -hmm. to see that trans transformation. Yeah, and uh, but the keywords can be all sorts of things, right? And often people only had two or three powers, mm -hmm. if that, right? Keep um, it simple. Everything is very streamlined. Different people had different powers. So I went to these two games, and uh, both of them are run by Participation Design Agency, and I helped run Enlightenment in Blood Berlin. And at, um, at you know, I had started, like, at the Living Games Conference here in Austin. I had met the White Wolf guys, which led to uh, the conversation at... Um, the conversation Grand Masquerade, which led to me helping out in Enlightenment of Blood. And I started talking to White Wolf, and I said, I think I can do games like this in America, because PDA is based out of Sweden and uh, Denmark earlier than that. And uh, Bjarke Peterson and Shahana are, are, are fantastic people. And I looked at them and said, I think I can run this. I mean, we've run the, this big Anarch Revolt. We've run this more like kind of Camarilla nightclub game. And I kind of just looked at, uh, I looked at the White Wolf crew and I said, I want to do Sabbat. And they're like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure. Because the Sabbat have always been my first love. And I was looking at all this stuff and I said, you know what? I know a lot of really great people that are involved in like more Call of Cthulhu or like Dystopia Rising style horror LARPs. And I know a bunch of people who are like professional path makers are involved in like haunted house stuff. And, you know, they had kind of gotten out of that, that, that scene, but they still had all the talents like Peyton Moe, who was our prop mistress and our, our like head crafter is amazingly talented. She worked down, uh, she, she's worked on, um, black, she's, she's worked on uh, various, uh, like Netflix titles. She's done prop work for them. She's done, um, She's done Gerald's Labyrinth in, uh, and worked for, like professionally for Gerald's Labyrinth in L.A., mm -hmm. the big uh, labyrinth-themed uh, party they have there. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I just said, no, I think we can do a Sabat game, and I think we can do it like make something that looks like the old illustrations hmm. that you see in like the Guide to the Sabat and the mm -hmm. Player's Guide and the Storyteller's Handbook, you know, with the bodies on hooks and like this, the full like gore and all that. And I said, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do, I want to do the old school Sabbat. I want to do the bad guys. I want to do the ones that are kind of monsters and proud of it. Um, and the anti-heroes and, you know, White Wolf had a little bit of trepidation about that because it's like, well, well, we know you from Lightning and Blood and we know you from some other stuff. 
but are you sure you can do this? And we actually partnered up with PDA as advisors and we made our pitch and we, you know, we took them out and we let them know how we're going to do things as a site. <laughs> Eventually, Wyville well, said, yes, yeah, go do it. And, you know, we signed, we got the paperwork eventually because the lawyers got involved. Uh, and we made this night in question was almost kind of a dark mirror of the original end of the line setup where you have this illegal party, mm-hmm. which just happens to have Camarilla vampires in it. Except for in the end of the line is this rave out in the middle of nowhere. And it's the Sabbat are running the show. And what happens then? Well, um, it won't be pretty, whatever it is. So what? what uh, so what? What could people play in this in this mm. game? Like, because you had a couple of options, like from like blood bag to to Sabat vampires. What, true, what, true monster. What, what was the gamut? Well, uh, we started off like at the very highest level, and one thing to to emphasize is that even if you bought the standard ticket, if you bought early enough, there would have been Sabat slots open. It wasn't that you had to pay a higher price to play a vampire. Okay. So if you bought the true monster ticket, the reason why that cost um, like nine hundred dollars or nine or nine hundred dollars is that included professional prosthetic work and uh, special effects makeup. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously, if you're getting that, you're going to get a vampire. You're going to get a vampire character. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of people got to play Zemisi and Nosferatu and things like that. And they, the makeup artists we had were fantastic. We got some people from Scare for a Cure, which were as a local kind of charity haunted house. We uh, asked for help from them, and they sent us some really, really talented people. Um, and we, if you bought the True Monster ticket, you got to play, you know, Monstrous Vampire. Um, then there's the Blooded ticket, and the Blooded ticket, you know, these came with hotel rooms and stuff, so it wasn't just pay to play. It was that you got more stuff with it, yeah. and that that got fangs made for you, like custom fangs, mm-hmm. the nice like uh, dental acrylic ones, and we got the um, and you, that gave you like first pick of some things, and you could also have an option where you could just buy if you bought like five tickets at a time, we would write a war pack for you to bring in. So that was all stuff. Um, and then there was just the standard ticket. And the standard ticket, you, the, there was, if you're one of the early birds, you could probably snag a, uh, a, a vampire because we just rolled them out in the order they were bought. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't want to make it so that it was pay to play. Right? Right. But that, that concept, and then people brought that up. And it does, it's interesting that, because that concept really doesn't work in, in the, like, in this kind of collaborative style mm-hmm. because it's not like you're given power over anyone. And in fact, the vampire care players kind of have a responsibility because they're the ones wielding the shovels and being the monsters. So they actually have to do more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, when, when I first heard about the night in question and what you guys were doing, uh, the uh, actually playing a mortal immediately appeal appealed to me more like that sounded like, like an experience that you couldn't get at, you know, in any form at any kind of LAR- other kind of LARP, uh, which that, that immediately appealed to me. So I, I'm not surprised that, you know, even the mortal, because the, the reviews that I've seen have been people who played mortals and they had, it sounds like they had a fantastic time, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, the, the mortal experience, you got to, uh, bury, you get buried and you had a burial rites. So we did the old school shovel heading. We built, mm-hmm. we dug like three foot, three foot deep graves 
and we like you know had a like burial. So in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audience members, uh, I can't see Scott's reaction, but he is gleefully happy. I mean, that's kind of what I would say. Like when I was told that you actually get truly shovel headed and buried a little bit, I'd be like, okay, I guess that you know I would play a vampire if I had the option, but would I like to get shovel headed for real though? Yeah, you lay down in the grave and you have this like crazy like voice is speaking to you through the speaker that's buried in the grave with you. Yep. And it like it's like talking as your beast. It's awesome. like your your mortal side and your yeah. Beast I forgot to mention that to you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now Ryan is so happy. <laughs> yeah, and like the meanwhile, like uh, Ricky, one of our uh, one of our war pack like priests was like hovering over the grave, going "Rise and be one of the monsters" and all this stuff, and everyone just loved the shovel heading. Yeah. Um, and it was a really great experience because the vampires got to be creepy and predatory and like lure people away. Cause one of the things we emphasize in the workshops and everything before the game was that use horror movie logic. Yeah. Yeah. You, you should completely run mm-hmm. like halfway through this. When you start thinking something is wrong, you should run, but don't mm-hmm. like dismiss what you see, you know, assume you're on drugs, just, just go with it. Right. And everyone just bought in, you know, to this kind of like splatter punk Texas chainsaw massacre kind of, uh, ideal. And this, uh, and they did a really good job. And everyone, and the vampires made a point of being monsters. They were, there was something lurking and preying on people, which was really fantastic. And uh, just to point out uh, that I, I think uh, Matt has already alluded to is there, besides the night in question, which is like roughly like a six to eight hour, 12 hour experience. If you include the workshops, which were four hours, it's about a 12-hour experience, yeah. In that, in these workshops, you not only go over the basic mechanics in general, but you also talk about consent and how to best deal with what you can and cannot do in the game so that everyone is safe and everyone is I mean, being responsible with what their actions. Because if you're being horrific and monstrous, you don't want to go over that line and make it traumatic for someone yeah give, give someone an actual bad time yeah because we don't want that then no everyone's here to have a good time okay right and uh, actually if you go to the jackalope uh, larp uh, website jackalope-larp.com you'll see our uh, jackalopes the jackalope guide to playing hard and safe hmm. and one of our big emphasis is throughout this entire event because we're talking about a game which unlike a normal larp you're allowed to set hands on people like you do stage fighting you can actually feed on people by putting your lips on them if they consent to it. Um, we went over how to do that. We went over how to stage fight if you consented to it. We went over all the things you could do besides doing that. But it introduced a physicality to it that, and uh, because it's a negotiated event where I'm going to say to you, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to say negotiation violence. I want to grab you and throw you through that doorway and then kick you a few times by kicking the ground next to you, right? And all that happens, and you say, okay, but I just want to throw myself, don't put your hands on me. And I say, okay, fine. And then we do it, and everyone else gets to see me throw you to the ground and kick you and scream at you and call you names. And because that's all negotiated, but we we teach people how to negotiate. We teach people how to say no, which is a really important part of that. Mm-hmm. We teach people what they're not allowed to do at all. There were some topics and subject matter that we just banned completely because we did not want to deal with them, uh, such as uh, real-world racism, bigotry, we, um, you know, homophobia, transphobia, all that stuff. We decided that we said that you cannot introduce those. We won't introduce them. You can't introduce them. If you do introduce them, we'll tell you to stop, and then we'll tell you to leave. Fair. Um, 
because in order to deal with those subject matter in a LARP, it has to be something you're 100% on top of. And with 150 people, it can be 100% on top of. Uh, we would know nothing about that, guys, would we? No. Yeah, we live in the South, so uh, there's nothing like that going on. Oh, no. Well, I was actually mostly referring to our Boffer LARP experience. And oh, there's yeah. having a lot of people, a lot of people doing a lot of things all, up, uh, uh, all the time. I bet, Matt, when you were actually running the game, how much did you feel you knew what was going on? Um, I felt like I did not know everything was going on, but I knew that nothing wrong was going on because we had about a 10 person safety team mm. awesome. uh, that all they did was safety. Plus we had a sanctuary space. Plus we had crew. We had site crew. We had a security crew. There's about 20 people running the, who are just, all they were doing was either security or safety. Awesome. If I wasn't hearing anything over the radio, that mean everything was fine. So I'm asking so, for a friend. I swear. I have to know. What's a blood bag like? What's that life like? So blood bags are a ticket which, in exchange for paying a significantly lower price, you get to experience the LARP. But you experience it as a recurring extra. You don't get embraced, but you're wearing, uh, we coated everybody by glow sticks. If you weren't wearing any glow stick necklace at all, you were not a target for the embrace. If you're wearing a red glow stick, that meant you were somebody who was a target for Embrace. And if you were in a purple one, that meant you are a blood bag. And blood bags existed to die. Um, they, as the night became, went on and on, became more monstrous, they went from being extras to being, you know, juice bags. They were fed off of, they were killed, they were tortured. As people were transformed into vampires, they are the ones that got grabbed out from an, a dark corner of the party and sucked dry. And they were there to just die all over the time. And all the blood bags had a fantastic time. <laughs> uh, you can imagine there's a very specific type of personality which is attracted to that kind of experience. There's like, a reason I know, asked. <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of people who like working in uh, you know, haunted houses or you know, really like playing Monster Camp in uh, Boffer. And they were into it. They were like... Yeah, just grab me and just like feed off me or torture me or you know rip my lungs out just to make a point about it, and you know all that kind of stuff. They had a, and they were there basically to be consensual punching bags for <laughs> the vampire players. And we had we we're looking to get a lot more of them this year. We started selling the ticket fairly close to the event. Uh, this year we're going to sell it because we're running it again November sixteenth, twenty nineteen. We're going to start selling them from the very beginning. We're looking to get about thirty of them. Because we had people who just died dozens of times. And nobody who was a blood bag really minded the experience. They had a great time. It was just, you know, people were, there were just so many vampires to so few blood bags by the end. It's one of those little things that we've learned that it's a lesson we learned is that we need a, we need a good ratio of blood bags to normals. Yep. Uh, because people will just start camping the spawn point. <laughs> Still so, gamers, right? Still yeah. gamers, no matter what you do. <laughs> so, there are still rules involved. So that uh, that actually uh, calls to mind something that I was going to ask, because you are running the night in question again next year. Uh, what, In addition to having more blood bags, what would you say you learned from the first iteration of the game uh, that you feel is going to be implemented in the second in, in, uh, implementation? So uh, one of the things we learned is that there needs to be, we have four acts in the game. Uh, the first act is it's just a normal party. The second act is embraces can start. Before that, vampires have to relent to humans um, and cannot reveal what's going on. So, and then the third act is when the vampires come out into the open. 
and the like signal for the second act is all the lights on the dance floor go red. Mm-hmm. And the third act is announced when everybody can just chase people down and kill them and it just becomes an orgy of violence is announced by a uh, ballroom bit blitz playing over the, <laughs> the speakers. Because the man in the back says everyone attack. And it um, turns into a ballroom blitz. Ballroom yeah. blitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he thinks he's she's the passionate one. <laughs> um, I love but it. the you should have seen it, man. I was I felt so good hearing about one of our staff members was uh, out in the field where like the graves were and people were walking in it and the dance floor was kind of uh, a little bit ways away and people heard ballroom blitz play and they literally did heel turns and started sprinting <laughs> towards the dance floor to get involved in the massacre because <laughs> they're just waiting for that. And then the fourth act is when everybody who's dead is dead. Everyone who's Sabat is Sabat. And it's supposed to be more of a um, like religious or sort of like indoctrination experience. And the transfer between the acts was not as tight as we wanted it to be. So we're going to work on that. Uh, too many people were embraced in the second act. Mm-hmm. We were relying on people to kind of regulate themselves. Nope. They did it because the, re- the embrace experience is awesome. So everyone wanted to get to it. Right. But, you know, it's kind of you ate your chocolate. You know, you ate all the chocolate ice cream. And that, <laughs> now you got to upset tummy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we have to put some breaks in on that. Um, and we just need to like work with fourth act a little bit. The fourth act came off as a little bit sloppy. So, and that's just a logistics thing. Like we need to get more blood and gore out. We're actually going to set up the blood sprinklers. And we are going to play confusion. We, yeah. were, we were actually going to ask. We <laughs> kind of had a bet amongst us if that was actually going to happen. I mean, there's a pretty, pretty straight line of inheritance. From yeah. <laughs> we had that on the playlist. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're doing something like that, it's kind of mandatory. It's kind of direct. You have to pay that homage. Um, also, also, if anyone's interested, and don't worry, uh, I will link all the stuff in our show notes. So if anyone's very interested, they can immediately go to their website. Uh, when you come, come with clothes you do not mind, you will never wear again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, our, uh, apparently the stain-free stuff is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. pretty good so far. Um, the uh, We use tempura paint for the like basis of the not-taste-good stuff, and we have this really awesome, this guy named... Uh, this guy named Logan makes these really great edible pud that they gave away at Gen Con at the hmm. White Wolf booth. And they had a lot left over, so we kind of went to Jason Carl because we were at White Wolf helping them with their booth. The Jackalope crew was, and we they were promoting our event as well. And we said, uh, you have all this blood left over, Jason. Um, can we just take it? And he mm. was like, sure. <laughs> nice. So I know it was in glass vials, and it wasn't packed that great. So all you storytellers out there, I can confirm that you could ship via U.S. Postal Service a package that starts bleeding at a point. <laughs> have any serious repercussions? <laughs> Noted. <laughs> That's a great story. I love those stories. Yeah, um, uh, we are all extremely interested in the night in question. We have all talked about it before this interview that we are looking to come ourselves. We are interested awesome. in trying to do this. We're in Atlanta, so the drive is a it's it's got it's a it's a bit of a time, but it's not 
in, um, impossible. I'm super glad that this episode's actually going to be released, be released after the tickets go on sale. Yeah. So yeah. that no one beats me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go on sale November 30th. So, you know, there's 250 tickets. Like, we'll mm-hmm. probably sell out the, like, blooded ones that include hotel rooms and yeah. other fun stuff. And yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll sell out of the monsters. Um, because they're the true monsters, because there's only so many of those, because, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's only so much makeup. Uh, I mean, I, we all have ideas. I know, Scott, you said you want to do the mortal, you want to do the mortal thing. Absolutely. But, that sounds fantastic. Uh, my girlfriend Murphy was very much interested in Blood Bag, because I just, <laughs> she didn't know anything about the, well, she had, she had liked the sound of it, but then I just, like, read off, it's like, you have to be okay with this, 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 and this. She's like, I'd like to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that one. Yeah, and, uh, and the great thing about the night in question is that we had a lot of first-time warpers. Wow! Oh, that's a lot of that's who shocking. Are world of darkness, chain, world of darkness fans. And you really didn't need to know anything because you just like play a person from 1998. <laughs> I so, was yeah. one of those, so yeah. yeah, I could pull it off. I think I got my clothes still in the closet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got an outfit or two. Yeah, and, and, and shirt. <laughs> So, in your foreseeing though this event next year, will you sort of continue the continuity, or is this just a different iteration of the same thing? It's a new iteration, and one of the things you'll see with these like bespoke and immersive games is they'll run the same game several times, like yeah. several runs. Like Commission of Thorns is like that, and the reason is is that it never plays the same twice. Mm-hmm. Even if the same people played, if they played different characters, it would work out a completely different uh, way. And I necessarily don't interpretation into it. And I assume that uh, you guys will probably tweak the sto- back in story and some of the events more and more as things go along. So that will play another factor in making things happen differently and give people Absolutely. different experiences. Yeah, and they tend to be very replayable. We have there's people who go to Convention of Thorns every year and it never plays the same. They just get a different character each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the Convention of Thorns that that sounds like you know when I'm retired I might go play some old Ventru, uh, because that's a that's a that's a big cost. Uh, but you you mentioned that the night in question was Jackalope's first big big outing. Uh, do you have plans for other games or other LARPs in the future? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that was a big feather in our cap this year is we actually reached out to uh, Michael Pondsmith and our, our, our Talsorian games, which if you know that name, you might mm-hmm. know where I'm about to go with this, is we got the license to do the live action immersive events for Cyberpunk. Ooh. Oh, dear. And Cyberpunk Red. Nice. So we're going to be running, uh, there's going to be an event next year called uh, Cyberpunk Night City which we are going to be running a very similar to the night in question where it's a short, like two day event. It is, you get your characters, they're pre-written, you select them and you play being in night city for two nights. That's awesome. What goes on during those two nights. So the plan for Texas as well. Just Mm -hmm. what's the plan for Texas as well. Yeah. That's planned for Houston. Uh, We're currently in negotiations with our site. So it might be in Houston and our backup site is in San Antonio. But in uh, Houston, we have a uh, mall which has been redone to look like a cityscape. And it's Ooh. a disused mall. Holy crap. Bars and like fake shops in it and all that stuff. It's usually used for uh, CQP Airsoft, but we are going to rent it out and take it over yep. and turn it into Night City. That sounds yeah. amazing. Oh, man. Hey, because all your money. I need a. Uh, I'm making it a point that the two ticket price points are 256 and 512. 
It's not too bad. Yeah. Of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> of course they have to be, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so something I'm, I'm reminded of because I was remembering what you were talking about earlier about the like how you got into it and this thing in um in Germany and just like the big immersive experience. Something I'm reminded of, uh, um, and Scott, please remind me, I forgot the specific name of it, is uh, our good friend Joey of the Glitter Dice podcast went up to New York. Uh, Project Ascension. Project uh, Project Ascension, and she got to play a character for like three days. It was, I think it was two days. But two days, yeah. but they like rented out several spaces in this area, and they were like, if you're in this area, you're playing the game. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy crap, I would love for something like that to be in Atlanta. Because, I mean, this is where White Wolf was, and I think we could do a hell of a great job out here in Atlanta. Well, Matt, I think you just volunteered for another project. <laughs> no! Mount up. <laughs> uh, if Night City is not intended to be uh, just an Austin thing, or just a Texas thing, we plan on going elsewhere with it. Great. Because uh, cyberpunk is a great genre, and uh, we want everyone to, to be able to experience that. So, uh, uh, Project Session was run by Ryan Hart at Sinking Ship mm-hmm. uh, Productions. Uh, um, productions? Production. Yeah, I think so. Uh, creations. They're Sinking Ship Creations. Um, Ryan Hart's a fantastic guy. He's very smart. And he did some great stuff. Uh, and I read, I read through his design documentation. And he did some really great refinements to this bespoke style, this immersive style. And uh, I highly recommend Sinking Ship stuff. If you're up in the Northeast, mm. they're going to be doing, they, they've hinted around at doing a like Cthulhu style thing mm. that I might have to like break up and, and get into that. But you're seeing more of these events all over the place. Uh, Nicole Winchester is um, running a game. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up real quick here. So <laughs> I don't, don't mess it up. But um, Nicole Winchester is running this fantastic game up in, uh, up in Ontario, I think called Nellie's by Night, and it is run in this uh, Fairscape Studios. And it's being run in Toronto, and they're running it in an Airbnb that was actually used for several, like, vampire-like shows, because it's an old Victorian show. And it's a simple, like, it's like an $80 ticket, and it's just a single night in this bread and breakfast sort of, like, nice Victorian mansion in Toronto. And it's very much more of a low-key kind of drama romance sort of vampire the masquerade game so nice. uh, it's a pretty amazing so game. we were talking so my wife's big into larping too and we were thinking what would be super slick and i'd love to do it because i think sabat's great and i would have a lot of fun but it's a very intense experience right you're, you're doing mm-hmm. with some very heady very visceral things and so she was like oh that doesn't interest me but i'm like what happens if you were in atlanta or anywhere and you did like a cam thing where you're a conclave or something I would love that because then all my friends would come out in like their nicest outfits and just go to town. It'd be hell. It would be great. Well, one of the things that we're going to be proposing to White Wolf here soon, and I've had some initial conversations about it, is we actually want to do the last conclave, which is the uh, the conclave where the 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 second masquerade is imposed from V five. Oh, oh, damn! Like the one where where Theobel takes out Hardestot. Oh the, the, well, that would be it would be the Chicago conflict. Oh, the Chicago conflict, not the. Uh, but we're still working on it. Yeah, no, that and, sounds uh, awesome, fantastic. We're not going to hold you. We're not going to hold yeah. your feet to the fire about it. I need to see what's coming out of Chicago by night, but who knows? It might be when the La Sombra, uh We might have uh, have it be where the La Sombra 
um, sue for readmittance into the Camarilla. Yeah, I backed that Kickstarter. There's a lot of good stuff coming out of uh, Chicago. Yeah, today. Matthew Dawkins is brilliant. Matthew Dawkins, bless his British head. He's <laughs> awesome stuff, and so is Dixie and all of them. They're doing really good. Chicago by Night looks fantastic, and the art makes me just absolutely just, oh my God. It's drool-worthy. It's, the new, you know, whatever you want to say about the new books, they are pretty. They're very oh, pretty. they're so good. They they most certainly are. Uh, um, uh, is there anything else, Spitzker, that you guys would like to ask your good guest here? I, I think I think I've gotten all the information that I need. I need to just you know, I need to set aside some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, I think, I think a road trip is in order. Indeed, I'm super intrigued. I I'm eager to look at what could be done. I've got some ideas for a character that I would like to play if if comments could be made. Uh, <laughs> But before we get out of here, Matt, what would you like to say to our audience uh, other than just promoting the show? Is there anything else you'd like to highlight about The Night in Question and what you're working on? Well, The Night in Question is just this amazing type of game. It's not a replacement for club games. I play in, you know, Mind's Eye Society. I played in troop games. It's a very different kind of game, and so like a, it's a really unique experience. It's the kind of experience you can only do as a, this high-budget sort of mm-hmm. thing. And it's gotten extremely positive. We've won over even doubters like uh, Nathan over at the VTM 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade uh, podcast. Like mm-hmm. him as a doubter, and apparently we converted him. Awesome. Uh, he did an awesome podcast about it, his experiences there. And I think that we just have a really great future of this kind of fusion between the more traditional sort of chronicle arts and these very intense really well manicured and curated uh, one-shot games. And it was just an amazing experience seeing this game, which involved play fighting and horror and blood and fake organs and all this craziness going on where it felt like just a horror movie getting out of control. Yet I've made a point of going to every single person, you know, afterwards and asking them, and we asked this in our exit survey, I asked them two questions. And I said, first off, did you have fun? And then I always ask the second question because it's just as important as did you feel safe? And everyone did. And there's people who said, I actually felt more safe in that environment with people t- being able to touch people and all that kind of stuff because of the way that the safety and all that was run. I felt more safe there than I felt at some conventions. Hmm. Wow. And that was really, that really, you know, kind of touched me right there that I was able, with the help of so many other people, but we were able to create that environment. And that we had this kind have we were able to establish trust. And this was a game that was full of people from all three of the different clubs. Um, and we all know what the history between them have been like. <laughs> um, we had people who never larked before, people larking for 20 years. And we, we made a decision at that particular moment that we were going to create a community and we were going to make it so that our central tenet of the, that our community is that the people are more important than the lark. And everyone acted like that. And that was just a really great experience. And I think going forward, I want to create more and more games that foster that, that foster this idea that, you know, this is about trust. This is about making sure that you know what other people want and caring about what other people want out of the game and how that makes everybody's experience better. And that was really great. And all of our games, not just the vampire games, but sometimes with the vampire games and any type of game that deals with mature and serious subject matter, it becomes all the more important to have that level of trust and make sure that we keep it, we make sure people that aren't worthy of it don't 
we make sure people aren't worthy of it don't don't exist in that environment. Oh, and so absolutely, and I applaud you for this effort that you've gone through, and you've been able to foster such a good reputation at the get go, because I think it's time in especially in the United States that because gaming in general has gotten much more wide acceptance, and now people more and more people are coming into the fold of of live action role playing like this that we create this environment of that people are safe, people can do what they want um, within reason, and that they, they everyone sort of starts getting along. Because we do need to try to, I believe, and I think you're, you're definitely heralding this, of how to talk about mature things and mm-hmm. how to handle these mature things and go, these things aren't as taboo as people maybe make them out to be and that you should, you should be able to talk about them. You just got to figure out how. Right, and it, it comes from a perspective of respecting what people's limits are, mm. and not saying you have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with it. This is a we're all adults. One of the things we said continuously in the game and in the workshops is, well, you are adults. We are going to trust you to be adults until you give us reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to trust but verify. We have a security team. We have a mm-hmm. safety team. We are going to make it very clear what the rules are, and we're going to assume you misunderstood once. And if we have to explain ourselves twice, part of that explanation will be directions to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because w- there needs to be very high walls around this sort of thing. Much higher walls than maybe a lot of uh, volunteer organizations can reasonably implement in mm-hmm. like a larger fan club. But if you're in my 200-person game, you know what? It might be a judgment call that you're a jerk, but you know what? I'm making it. Mm-hmm. And... You can sit out for three hours, and if you really don't, if I really think you're a problem, you can have your 180 bucks back. <laughs> not worth it. So I think that that very strong statement of protection and that very strong commitment to trust, combined with a commitment to trust, uh, really resonated. And you know, one of the things that I was proud of, and we didn't, we didn't go out of our way to do this. We didn't like, you know, farm this, but we had immense amount of. Uh, female, uh, female and uh, non-binary uh, participation in the game. We had an immense amount of uh, POC uh, participation in the game compared to a normal vampire LARP. And that just kind of happened, and one of the things that they attributed to it was the fact that we very clearly said that this is not allowed. Th- we will, This is what is allowed, and it's pretty crazy, but this other stuff is not allowed. And also, you don't have to deal with anything you don't, have to, that you don't want to. Right. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, we had a very diverse cast of people show up without us i mean i'm happy it happened i'm, I'm you didn't have to happened, ask but right yeah we did it we didn't go around and like you know intentionally like try to do that it just did it and i think it was because and one of the things i heard is because people felt safe because there was this very dual message of we're going to enforce these boundaries we're going to respect people's boundaries and we're going to expect you to act like adults. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, really helped. And when people who, um, you know, when I have people who do not get treated with very much respect in society come up to me and say, you know, I feel safer here amidst this blood and gore and screaming and darkness in the middle of the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> in an old ranch um, than I do in parts of my daily life, that really kind of struck me with something. So it was really kind of, it was an eye-opening experience 
to me, and I'm really happy it happened. And I think that we had a really great team, and I think we had really great players, and I can only hope to grow this part of the community. Well, it sounds like everything that you guys are doing is like fully in line with what we here at Polyhedron mm-hmm. uh, champion as like the best of gaming. So we are certainly looking forward to what you guys do in the future and supporting you, uh, supporting you creating great art, because that's that's kind of what our opinion is. This is a this is an art form, and it should be supported and explored as such. So Absolutely. hats off to you. Yeah, it's Thank a real you. achievement, man. Mm-hmm. And the most interesting thing that came out of the exit surveys, before I uh, go into the spiel of my websites and my Twitter sure. handle, um, <laughs> is I asked everyone, and this is uh, this was poignant because we gave out we gave out a bunch of tickets to the fan clubs like you know Underground Theater, One World by Night, mm-hmm. uh, My Zai Society, um, and we asked them because of your experience at Vampire at the Night in Question, are you more likely to seek out like a traditional vampire lark? And like 65% of them said yes. Mm. Nice. And that's a really uh, that's a really striking number because it really points out that this is not a zero-sum game. This mm-hmm. is... Uh, we, we have looked at LARP as a zero-sum game for way too long, I think. Whether it's Boffer or Vampire or the other competitors where, you know, I have to succeed... Because other people have to fail. I have to steal player base. I have to, you know, there's there's tons of salt and, you know, like, you know, shit talk, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think that what it points out is that if you have consistently give people great experiences, they're going to seek great experiences everywhere. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can get along as a community a lot more. And I know, like, even in my home domain uh, in Austin, the local uh, MES chapter, we have eight new players. And all every single one of those came from, I went to the dining question, I had a great time, and my Zy Society players were there, and they told me about it. Uh, I know UT in Atlanta is getting some players from it. I know that, like, people have uh, spitballed me that there's, like, 40 new players in the MES solely from coming to awesome. the dining question. So. It's it's very interesting. I think it, I think those numbers. Part of the reason why I asked that question was to be able to go to people and basically say, you know, those like uh, strangely, this is part of the sabbat oath. My victories are your victories. <laughs> 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 My blood is your blood. <laughs> so, That's it. well, awesome. uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you very very much, Matt, for this Thank interview. You. We appreciate it. We wish you the best of luck. Where can people find you other than the Jackalope website? How can people find you on the internet? Uh, so you can search for Jackalope Live Action Studios on Facebook, or you can do us at, at Jackalope LARP on Twitter, and we're also Jackalope LARP on Instagram. And I can always be gotten in touch with at info at jackalope-larp.com. Excellent. Thank you. We'll have, again, show notes for everything mm-hmm. will be linked, and that way everyone can ex- go out and have a good experience with this fine gentleman here. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. That was a hell of an interview, guys. Indeed, it was. I'm super jazzed. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get the money. Yeah, yeah. Where's I money? will. No, my wife will kill me. I cannot be a true monster. This will be. Yeah, it's ex- that's a very expensive. Like, I mean, that's an did, indulgence. He did, in fact, laugh very hard at you when you when you said <laughs> what you wanted. Yeah, so that's cool. Well, just get get a get the early bird, and you'll get first pick of the vampire. Uh, I've characters. got a couple ideas, and I'm going to save it for Patreon content. I got some ideas. This would be a if there's ever a time to become a patron, 
do it right now. We're about to talk about some really fun stuff that we probably won't talk about for a long while uh, uh, there. But anyways, I hope you enjoyed the interview. And from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to give feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCalf. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. You want to spell it? R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys.